welcome back to the Informatics Cafe. I'm your host, Mike Nitardi, and in the cafe with us today, we have Sarah Dravik. She is a documentary filmmaker and an associate professor and director for the electronic media and broadcasting at Northern Kentucky University. Specializing in nonfiction storytelling, her work has been featured by National Public Radio, PBS affiliates, and at several national conferences and festivals. Her current research is a collaboration with the International Women's Coffee Alliance and explores the changing roles of women in the international coffee industry. Sarah teaches courses in documentary film and media literacy, focusing on experiential learning and study abroad opportunities. She has led NKU students in a variety of media work through countries including Scotland, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Rwanda, the Czech Republic, and Guatemala. Sarah also proudly serves as the Vice President of Women in Film Cincinnati. Sarah is well down the path of a longitudinal documentary research project, creating a documentary looking at women in the international coffee industry. And Sarah, it is so amazing to have you here in the cafe to talk to us about all these things today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I guess the place to jump in right away um, is to the women in the international coffee industry and everything that you're doing there. But we've got so much to talk about today. But why don't you just get started there and about your work in that area? Well, I became involved with the IWCA, International Women's Coffee Alliance, uh, been almost 10 years ago, been about a decade now, um, through some connections here. It's, it's weird how you get involved with projects, right? right you know right. one person, you meet another person, you have this conversation, and all of a sudden they're inviting you to Guatemala to film this <laughs> conference, and you go, well, that sounds great. Right. Sure, we'll go down right. to Guatemala and film this conference. And so uh, it was the third um, annual conference, I believe. Yeah, the third annual conference for the IWCA down there. And that's when uh, coffee growers from all around the world come, you know, to this conference to learn, to share, like what most conferences do. So we filmed there. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting, but we also got to go to some of the farms. We did these farm visits and tours where we stayed on the farm and, uh, you know, we got to walk around and see what they were doing and, and learn the process. And I just said, wow, there's so much more of a story here than just us covering this conference. Right. You know, right. this is kind of, there's a lot here. And I was just very fascinated by it. And being a coffee drinker, I ha- all of a sudden realized I never, never really thought too much about where exactly. my coffee came from. Exactly right. As I think most people don't think about it. It's just what you need to have in the morning. It's right. what yeah. you make, you know, deals over at lunch. You know, let's go have a coffee. And learning all of that, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole, you know. And the more I learned, the more fascinated I got. And then the connections that it has to Cincinnati, at least in Guatemala, that particular farm, um, Coffee Emporium in Cincinnati has a direct trade relationship with them. And so I was surprised to find out I have been drinking that coffee. Wow. You know, for the last decade or more, but never really thought about it. And now I never drink a coffee without thinking about where it came from and who was involved in it and all the different ways we're connected with that, just, you know, through, through community, through the economy, ecologically, um, it's, it's really fast. I mean, you can tell, I, I could just be like, no, no, no that, I, mean, I know that's great because I yeah. think this is a fascinating topic. And I love the way that just from the very beginning that you're talking about getting involved in it, I guess somebody had asked you to go down there and, and do some filming. Um, and then, so that's obviously led to this passion in your life. So from that trip, then walk us through how you got involved then in women and coffee and, sure. and, and all these issues that are important issues. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after that conference we filmed, we were there for about a week and came back. We put together the piece that we were hired to do, mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. was on the conference, thanking their um, sponsors for the conference. And then, honestly, almost a year or so went by, right? Because 
a year or so went by. Right. Well, well, life, <laughs> life happens. Life right? happens. Yeah. That's what yeah. happens. And um, and then, but I had all this information still, and I started working more with Tony and Eileen, who are the owners of Coffee Emporium. We had become friends because they were on the mm-hmm. trip, and so I was learning more um, and, and learning more about the coffee and all these different relationships. And then two years later, I had the chance to take students to South Africa for a um, a study abroad, mm-hmm. and I said, well. I mean, I'll be in Africa anyway, so a lot of coffee comes from Africa. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe I could figure out a way to go visit some more farms uh-huh. while I'm here. And so I reached out to the IWCA, um, to the contacts I had there, and they said, absolutely, that'd be fantastic. We have some wonderful farms in Tanzania, and they would love to host you. Um, so got, you know, a grant, travel grant, a lot of logistics involved. Right. But when, after the students left, I stayed in South Africa and then went up to um, Tanzania and got to stay there and, and visit more farms there and filmed a lot and worked and met some unbelievably amazing people um, along the way. Started to learn a lot more about the involvement of women mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the coffee industry because the majority of the work in coffee around the world is done by women. No kidding. And the majority, you need dexterous hands. See, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and so, it, and that's what a lot of it, it is. And, um, but you know, the majority of coffee is controlled, sold and managed by men. Um, which is in itself not a bad thing, but in several of these communities and in several countries and cultures, that means that the money is not always going back to the women and the community right. and the families right. um, at the end of the day. Uh, it also means that I was learning that a lot of the training that gets done in coffee, where you learn how to manage your, your crops better, mm-hmm. you learn how to work with the environment and mm-hmm. work with the water flow, and you produce better coffee, and mm-hmm. you, you sell it for a higher price. All this training, all the men went to, but then they never translated it to the women who were actually doing the work in no the fields. Wow. And so most of this information was lost. And so the coffee yields were remaining low. They weren't getting a good price oh at market. Goodness. You know, they weren't, um, they, they weren't improving. And so what the IWCA does, uh, it, they have chapters around the world, is that they help facilitate training and leadership seminars for, for women that are involved in it. Um, and Fantastic. so it, you've seen in, in some of these regions where the, the coffee has not just improved, but their communities have improved. That's fantastic. Uh, because of it. And right. so we got to see that in Tanzania. And then after I went to Tanzania, a few years later, um, I wrote a project grant and got a chance to go to um, India and wow. see a lot of the coffee growing there and film a lot there. Um, and that was really great to see what they were doing in the communities, a lot with health and, mm-hmm. and, and, and families and children. So it's, it's weird that all these other things are connected to just coffee. Right. Um, but in uh, learning more about the, the ecological impacts that are happening with climate change mm-hmm. um, and how coffee as we know it, um, I don't want, don't want to scare your listeners, but coffee as we know it, it, it probably won't be around for much oh, longer no, that, if that we... Does scare, that doesn't scare yeah. us. It scares the, the, the host. <laughs> right? It scares everybody because the climate change, they're having to... Coffee needs a very specific climate to oh, grow. Really? That's why See, we I'm, don't... I'm so ignorant when it comes to coffee. Yeah, there's the... There's the green belt of coffee that goes around the, the world and it, you know, it goes from the equator out. And so that's where all the coffee comes from because of the climate there. That's why we don't grow coffee here. Well, the only place in the United States you can really grow coffee is Hawaii. Um, and so okay. we have Hawaiian coffee out there. And that's, that's another place I'd like to go because I just would also well, like to go Well, that would be awesome. Hawaii. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say I'd, I'd like to go on when, when you get your grant for that trip. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm just, I, I could, I could keep, keep talking about it, but got to go to India. And then after that, got to go to Rwanda, have also been back to Guatemala several times and have brought students to the coffee farm as mm -hmm. a study abroad work, gotten them kind of connected to it. And it's amazing to see them kind of open up. So, wow. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of where my coffee came from. Mm -hmm. And that can apply to almost anything we as Americans enjoy. Right. Right. We, we often don't think about the larger systems involved in the production of it. No doubt. And there's a lot there. And um, I think un understanding that more about coffee, which is hopefully what this documentary will help people see, you know, a little bit more about how many communities and people are involved in it will help them to um, buy more responsibly, enjoy more responsibly, but also just enjoy good coffee. No, that, that sounds, know? so let's talk about that a little bit. So where, so where are we in the process? When I say we, I mean, obviously I mean you <laughs> in, in the process. You can join. Of Come on no, in. I no, need some no, help. <laughs> no, this, it sounds awesome. I mean, I, we, we, we want to talk a little bit about that. I, we want to explain a little bit to our listeners what longitudinal research is, um, but also about the documentary that you're working on and, and, and how it's coming along and where it's going and, and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, well, the longitudinal part is basically, this is not just a snapshot of what's happening in time. It's not one incident. It's looking at something and how it's changing and affecting many other factors along the way. Mm -hmm. And so basically, it's it takes a long time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, you know, oh, yeah, we went to Guatemala and we filmed for a month or so and then we made a documentary about it, which is very interesting and, I mean, would be great. Um, but we're going back Right. several times and seeing what's been happening exactly so that we can present it as kind of like a, a longer term um you can see the change you can see the patterns and you can mm -hmm. kind of see where things are going um with with the changes in coffee uh, and there are a lot of them from just the economy i mean coffee is is on the market sold on the market just like any other consumer product and so the volatility of the price is a big issue for farmers as i mentioned the changing climate mm -hmm. is a big issue for farmers um but also just the different uh um, keeping up with all the different growing processes. And uh, there's, there's a lot of work with hybrids and, and, and how to make stronger coffee that can withstand drought, that can withstand, you know, different wow. things. So looking at that, but really looking also at the changing role of women. Mm -hmm. Because women have always, as I mentioned, always been involved in coffee. But the IWCA over time is really making some important changes not just in the coffee industry, but again, in the communities. And that's something I wanted to try to tell the story of, and that sure. takes time. Yes, It's not, you have to be very patient, especially in some of these countries, it takes over a year or two to even get a chapter formed because of the politics, exactly. because of the culture. Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult for women to walk into a room in, in some countries around the world and to say, yes, we'd like a seat at the table. Right. Um, doesn't happen easily. Right. And so uh, showing... Just the, the sheer determination of some of these women, the stories that we've captured, it's just like, Fantastic. it yeah, it's really exciting, you know. So what is the, I guess the IWCA, is there, is, is part of it, I, I would assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong and let our, our listeners know, that you know, what they're trying to increase is not just the, the equity involved for the women that, that are workers, but also perhaps to get them more up the chain in terms of ownership. And, and that is that is that part of what... The, the goal is yes. A lot of it is leadership training. Mm -hmm. It is it is allowing women to to show them that they can be managers, that mm -hmm. they can um, mm -hmm. uh, be in charge, that they can make decisions right. uh, and have um, you know a higher seat at the table. Um, and in some countries, I'm am amazed to see that 
they're actually in some ways more advanced than we are here, you know, uh, as far as how they do deal with, like there are women in parliament, they're, mm -hmm. you know, half of their parliament, you know, mm -hmm. is with women. But coffee is a very specific industry. Interesting. And so the industry can be a little different than right. the overall um, right. government. Very, that's very there. interesting. Very interesting. So, so what is the, where are you in the process with the documentary? Well, we've been filming now for eight years. Wow. You know, and every time I say, okay, we're done filming, we're really, this is time. It's time uh -huh. to kind of put it together. Then something else amazing happens, you right, know, right, and right. I go, oh, we have to go capture yes. that. The yes. story's not over yet. Yes. Um, and that is one problem, you know, in working with, with this kind of, of storytelling is where do you stop? Right. Um, but uh, I have gotten a sabbatical. And I said, okay, taking the sabbatical and this is it. I'm putting together what we have and we're going to be in post-production. Okay. Um, that being said, I'm going to be doing some of this in Guatemala uh, because it's, I find myself so inspired when I'm there to go stay with Olga and talk to her and see what's happening. Um, it's, it's far more interesting to be working in the post-production field there. And this is the preliminary edit, you know, like mm -hmm. the rough cut. I'll come back here and be in a professional editing, you know, suite mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. like the finishing touches, but it's also when they're going to be having harvest. And this will be the first harvest kind of after COVID. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see now how this global pandemic has also affected coffee and the wow. women and everyone involved. Wow. So I think there'll be yes. just a little more filming. I was going to say, it sounds like it. Sounds just like there should bit, be. I mean, yeah. how, how do you turn that away? It's like, no, we can't. That's, that's a big part of the story, but we're going to ignore right. it. Right. It's very difficult when you're down there to not to just keep filming because it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I highly encourage anybody, uh, whether you're really into coffee or not, but if you are into coffee, it makes it more interesting to go and visit what they say at Origin. Mm -hmm. Go to Origin to see where the coffee is grown. Um, many of the, the, the places around Origin, that they have coffee farm tours. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a tourist thing. So you can right. just, you know, say I want to be a part of a car coffee farm tour and you get to stay on the farms. It is absolutely gorgeous. And the coffee is delicious. I was going to say, does it taste even oh better down there? Oh my gosh, it was... really does. And you know, it's the same coffee, especially like right. Olga's coffee from the where we go in, in Guatemala. I'm like, how does it taste so much better right, when I'm right. here? But I think it's their water too, because they have like mountain spring wow. water. They make amazing, it with and yeah, amazing. Like See, it. even you're making my mouth water. Just wanted yeah, to get some coffee. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really good. And and I will say, I am I a coffee snob at this point? Maybe a little bit, but. I enjoy all types of coffee. You don't have to be some kind of connoisseur that can be like, oh, yes, I pick up the nutty floral, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, mm -hmm. to appreciate and just know what you like and have good coffee. But it's just all about kind of understanding where it came from, the process involved in it. And you honestly, coffee shouldn't be cheap. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't get a second cup for free. You shouldn't get unlimited refills. If you are, somebody down that product chain is not getting the money they deserve. See, I was going to actually, I was, that, that's interesting that, that you go, that you stated that I was going to, that's the next place I was going to go is what should our listeners know about consuming coffee that maybe to help, uh, you know, what you're doing and then also to help women in coffee. So I guess maybe basically just take the floor on that. Yeah, um, just Ask questions. Know where, you, where it comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Americans are getting much better. You know, we're all getting much better about this of wondering, well, where did that chicken come from? I mean, there's the joke of did it have a happy life, you know, and like making making sure all of that with our other food. I think we're getting better about that. We're getting better about craft beer, you mm -hmm. know, and like understanding the different hops and where it came from. And 
coffee is such an integral part of our society, we yes. should really ask questions of, so where, where did this come from? What is the difference, you know, between the, the Ethiopian coffee, the Rwandan coffee, the Guatemalan coffee, but how is it sourced, you know? Right. Um, there are many different labels. Obviously, you can get the fair trade, you can get direct trade, you can get organic, you can get shade, you know, grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those can get a little complicated and some of the certifications involved in that, it, you know, it, it means that not everyone who actually qualifies is getting the certification because you have to pay however much money for someone to do the certification. No, exactly right. Yeah, there's you know? yeah, it's like an auditing in all walks of life. Exactly. Right? Somebody's got, you got to pay somebody to say that you've done it. So. Yeah, and so it's like, well, that's not organic. It's like, well, actually it is. I just can't afford to get the organic <laughs> certification. Right, and, right. and that goes a lot for some of the, the coffee stuff too. So, you know, obviously the label is the first place you can look, but talk to your local provider. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why if you're a real coffee person, you probably have a coffee shop that you go to. Ask them, where do you get your coffee? You know, like, how do you roast it? How do you source it? Um, There are so many wonderful coffee shops in Cincinnati that do just that. Um, Coffee Emporium is the one that has the direct relationship with Guatemala, but Carabello in in Newport has Mm -hmm. direct relations with Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. Um, There's there's a lot of them, right? And if you go in and you ask, usually they love to tell you about it. Oh, yes. You know, because they're excited. They're passionate. Mm -hmm. Um, They're passionate about their coffee. Uh, And even Starbucks, people say like, well, Starbucks, that's evil, right? Because it's a big corporation. They actually do a, a, a nice job of sourcing their coffee and paying fair market value. And in fact, I, I learned um, through, you know, the, my different interviews that many years ago when t- like markets tanked and a lot of farmers were like, why would I grow coffee? I'm not going to make enough money back, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, from doing this. Starbucks came in and pre-bought the next three years at wow. a higher than market price because they knew if they let these farmers go under, they weren't going to get good coffee, right? Right, right. Like, if we if we let that happen, will we still have coffee? Sure, but it's not going to be. Yeah. It's not going to be the the really good coffee. It's not going to be the hand picked, the arabica. It's going to be the stuff grown in giant fields and and you know um, mass produced, manufactured. A lot of the coffees. I feel bad saying countries' names because I'm not dissing the entirety of the coffee from this country, no. but a lot of coffee from Vietnam and Brazil is sourced and, and grown this way. Oh, really? Not all. This is why you need to always like. Uh-huh. Look, you know, and yeah. ask questions about it. Uh, and when you find that coffee that you like and that, you know, go, you know, I, I do want to support this. You had to know it's going to cost a little more than you probably want to spend. Mm-hmm. But that is because there are they say there's at least 18 different hands that touch your coffee between seed to cup. And that's 18 different people and families and communities because there's so many steps involved. I had no idea until I went down and saw it. I was just like, oh, I'd never even seen a coffee tree, let alone everything that goes into growing it, picking it, drying it, you know, washing it, pulping it, roasting it, the transport of it. Like there's there's so many different things. This is awesome. And so this is awesome. It, it gets a little complicated at times, but a good cup of coffee is a good cup of coffee. But I, I just want the you know listeners viewers of the documentary when it's done to to know that there there's it's an art yes and you really should appreciate it and and try not to take it for granted because if we do it will be gone no doubt and I'm sold you've sold yeah. me completely sitting here I'm, okay. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yes I cannot wait to see the documentary and and uh, I am a coffee lover and so this has been very uh, convicting to me to to understand more about what I'm drinking um, and and to make sure I'm supporting all the right places because you're exactly right that the whole um, revelation to me that the 18 different hands or, or way, uh, touch points before it gets to, to my table, that is fascinating. And you're exactly right. That represents individuals, families, communities, 
um, that yeah. That it's and and when in this documentary you'll get to actually see them and hear from them. That's great. And it's great when you 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 see workers that also believe in what it is that they're mm-hmm. doing yes. and love doing it. Yes. Um, and that's that's something that I think we should support. No doubt. You know. Yeah. So what what can our listeners do if they wanted to support your work or learn more about your work before the documentary comes out? Well, that's a very good question. You can send checks to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Um, I would say, you know, go out uh, to your local to your local coffee, you know, suppliers. Um, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm doing product placement here, oh, no, like no. pushing any one place. But, you know, Coffee Emporium um, does a lot of, you know, kind of educational things, as does as Carabella, that you can learn more about it, mm-hmm. um, uh, about the coffee. And uh, just kind of um, support... Again, know that it is going to cost a little bit more money, but know that you're not just buying the coffee, you're supporting the people that are growing it, and you're supporting that way of life for growing it. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of these farms, too, that are that are working with, you know, uh, Coffee Emporium and Carabella, they treat their workers well. Mm-hmm. You know, they provide for their families. They make sure their children get schooling. Wow. Um, this does not, that is not the norm, you know, in, in most coffee fields. I've gotten to visit the the smaller farms that are doing it right, and then I've also visited the larger farms. I'm not; they're not mistreating their workers. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not terrible, but it's a very very different vibe. It's a very different feel. It's it's a factory. Right. You know, it's a it's a right. mass produced job, and um, and if if we want to support more of the latter, we we need to do that. So we talked a little bit about how you, you got involved with the IWCA, but let's back up a little bit and just talk about how you got involved in filmmaking. What's, what's the story there? Oh, wow. Well, I got my undergraduate uh, BFA from Ithaca College in, in film, but at the time I was more focused on narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was kind of like the, you know, average, you know, student that was like, I'm going to go to Hollywood, you right, know, right. and I'm yeah. going to go make movies and it's going to be great. Well, I actually did go out to Hollywood and I realized I don't like Hollywood that much. <laughs> like, it wasn't really, it wasn't really for me. Um, and uh, I'll try to make this a long story short. I ended up after I graduated, I spent a year in Thailand just living over there and like teaching English. It had nothing to do with filmmaking, but in talking to people, because this, this was pre-cell phones, right? We didn't have really nice cameras. And so my camera was a 35 millimeter. I took pictures, but everyone's uh-huh. like, did you shoot a film over there? I'm like, no, I couldn't have shot a film in, you know, 2000 over right, there. Right, right. Like it wasn't, wasn't really uh, uh, accessible to me. However, uh-huh. talking to people, and just learning all these different stories mm-hmm. and learning where they came from. I just kind of really became fascinated in in that and the fact that we know more about, you know, most celebrities or whatnot than we do our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And and I always I started to, to find out that I think truth is much more fascinating and weird and interesting than fiction, at least no any doubt. fiction that I could write. Like no I'm doubt. not, other people are really good at it. That's not my forte. So I like to to find those stories and kind of pull them out of mm-hmm. other people. So so I got into um, to documentary. From there. And um, then I ended up getting my graduate degree many years later. Like I worked locally. I did a lot with nonprofits. I really liked helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up coming back to NKU to get uh, my graduate degree uh, because they, they started a graduate communication program. And so I went into the program, was really fascinated in learning everything about comm theory and comm studies that I really didn't do in my BFA mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. But I said, well, but I'm kind of a filmmaker you know, um, rather than doing your traditional like thesis paper, can I make a film? And they right. were super uh, open. There was like, we want you to succeed, you know, so you do what you do. 
And they said, as long as we don't have to help because we don't know how to make films. And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And so they uh, really let me tailor my education a bit to be able to use filmmaking in a lot of my classes. And so then my thesis was an actual um, a documentary project that I worked on. That is amazing. Yeah, and it was great. And from there, um, I never really looked back as far as, you know, making documentary films. And uh, I kind of almost immediately, luckily, uh, got involved with MKU as a professor after I got my graduate degree. Uh, and they've, again, been very supportive when I say, hey, I think I want to take students to Guatemala, right, you know, and they're right. like, where, what? But, <laughs> but they say, tell me more about it. And we, you know, we, we work through it and they're very open to, to what it is that I do. And they, they trust me and I trust the people I work with in these different countries. And so I've been able to incorporate my love of teaching because, you know, I discovered in that, that, that large area I glossed over mm-hmm. in between there, I discovered that I really love teaching. I love working with young people. And um, so I got to marry that with my, my love of, of storytelling, documentary storytelling. That is awesome. Yeah. And I've been able to bring students all over the world and they've worked with me on project. I've worked on their projects with them. And it's just been it's been great. That is fantastic. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us in the Informatics Cafe today. We have learned so much about women in coffee and about uh, the documentary that you're you're creating right now and we cannot wait to see it and hopefully we can have you back once it's out yes i would everyone says oh i can't wait to see it and i say me neither like (laughs) (laughs) can't can't wait to see how how i put it together well thank you so much this has been fun you better believe it thanks for coming informatics cafe is a production of informatics plus the outreach arm of northern kentucky university's college of informatics hosted by mike nitardi produced by chris brewer Music and engineering by Aaron Zlatkin. Recorded at the Informatics Audio Studio in Griffin Hall.